Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Events Podcast. You are listening to Session 7 of our Mythbusters series titled World Religions, Many Paths, One Destination, recorded live on May 23, 2018. For more information about Ablaze Church, please visit our website at ablazechurchba.org. Welcome to Mythbusters. Already number seven. One more to go. Seven weeks have come and gone. Can you believe it? They go by fast. Would you bow your heads with me for a word of prayer? Father in heaven, I thank you for an opportunity tonight just to share your word as we take a look at another myth. May the truth known as Jesus Christ set us free from that myth and may the truth be known. I ask this blessing in the name of Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, everyone, God, kingdom without end. Amen. Tonight we're taking a look at a myth and of course hope everybody has the handout and the myth that we're looking at tonight along with world religions is that There are many paths to that one destination that we might say heaven. And I have in my class, and I think Dr. Spomer has done it also, but I'm going to move over here to my left, and I'm kind of going to speak in behalf of the myth. There's 4,200 religions in the world. Can they all be wrong? Or the majority? There's got to be many paths to heaven. Think of all the different world religions. There can't just be one that is right and 4,199 being wrong. And there are just so many ways and paths and roads to heaven. The truth that you're going to hear from me tonight is that there's only one way to that one destination that we would call heaven. Open your Bibles with me, please, to John 14, verse 6. These are the words of Jesus, speaking about the very thing that we're talking about, that path, that road, that way to the one destination. It's found on page 1,146. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said to him, I am the way, singular, not plural, and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father or goes to the Father except through me. If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have to believe his words. There's only one way, and I am that way. 
and I am the truth. Oh, there are many truths out there. There are many ways out there. Thus saith the Lord. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Turn with me now to Acts 4, 12. To the right. Acts 4, 12. The words of Paul, excuse me, Peter, recorded in Acts by Luke, page 1160. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, I am no expert on world religions. Okay? I consider myself to be somewhat an expert on Christianity because (laughs) I have so much uh, education in my background from, you know, going to a Christian school to two different seminaries. So I have a a lot of education, but I'm not an expert in world religions because there's 4,200. Now, if anybody here would like to have a book on world religions, I have one. It's about this thick, okay? And it's about that big, and it's very slow reading, very fine little print. And if you suffer from insomnia... I will borrow you this book, and I truly believe if you begin to read it, you will go right to sleep. But it is amazing how many religions and all the different things that you can find in the major world religions. But tonight, what I'd like to do is just go through a few of the major ones and speak about how their view of the way to the destination that we might call heaven. So tonight, one of the first religions we're going to take a look at is one of the oldest religions, of course, other than Judaism or Christianity. It is called Hinduism. Anybody here have anybody or know anybody who's a Hindu? All right. But the Hindu religion, you can take it all the way back almost to about 1500 B.C. to around 800 B.C. A big area would be in India, of course, uh, Hinduism. Uh, And probably the best way to describe the Hindu religion religion is they have what is called a caste system. And a caste system would be different levels in society. Okay? And the idea is you want to better yourself. Okay? And the way you better yourself in the Hindu religion is uh, spiritual exercises. Um, Yoga. Uh, karma would be spiritual good deeds. 
And if you do the right spiritual exercises, if you have good karma, good deeds, and you make it in a caste system, and you die, there really is no heaven, okay? You are reincarnated, okay? And through your spiritual exercises, through your karma, you better yourself in what is called the samsara of life, okay? So, you make it through life, you're good, you die, you get better, you get better, and you get better. Uh, the samsara of life would be, anybody remember the Lion King, the movie? Okay, and he holds up, you know, the little lion. Well, the idea is you just get better and better through reincarnation. Okay, there is a creator god in Hinduism called Brahma. Okay, and that, yeah, does anybody, do we use the name Brahma in the uh, United States? Uh, what? Oh, yeah, cow, a bull, the Brahma bull. Okay, hold that thought. Okay, there is a, a literally a sustainer God that actually was in um, uh, the incarnation or what we would say became a man. Okay, what called Vishnu. And so you have this, this God, but yet there's a sustainer person okay, who becomes a man, and then there's an evil person or someone that uh, is the destroyer called Shiva, okay? Now, I'm not going to try to explain everything to you. I'm just going to give you quick basics. So, in Hinduism, uh, everything is an illusion. Everything is pure energy, and the idea is you have to get outside or forget about everything out there and get into your self <laughs> and the pure energy, meaning that table is just pure energy. Okay? It's a figment of your imagination. And the ultimate thing is to reach nirvana. Okay? And that is just that idea of pure energy, that oneness, uh, body and mind, and you discover God self. Okay? And there's a lot of different rituals and rites and many different uh, avenues and ways to reach uh, this nirvana or this God self, because everything's an illusion, everything's pure energy, and eventually you're going to get there. But in Hinduism, it's very important that you treat others according to the golden rule. Okay? Now, with all the rites and all the rituals, uh, there came a man by the name of Buddha, you might say, who kind of left Hinduism. And he went on a trek to find uh, what we might call himself, okay? And uh, Buddha is the founder, you might say. He's a Gautama Buddha. He's the enlightened one. 
And that's about 600 B.C. We get the founding of Buddhism. Okay? Buddhism is a little different from Hinduism in the sense that there's not a lot of rites. There's not a lot of rituals. Uh, The evil one is the world. Okay? Not some evil person or evil uh, angel. There are truths in Buddhism, and uh, I'm just going to give them to you real quickly. Suffering is universal. Suffering is caused by selfishness. The cure to selfishness is uh, ridding oneself of cravings. And uh, the way you do it, there's an eightfold way. So Buddhism, if you think of a Buddha, kind of a, a happy person, big head, big stomach, and he's going like this. That Buddha, his eyes are closed and he's smiling. He's uh, reaching nirvana again and he's outside of himself. Okay? And so rites, rituals, that's not as important. What's important for Buddhism is there are no castes, there are no distinctions. Uh, yes, there's reincarnation, but you don't have to believe in it. it does, you know, it's more of just meditation and getting outside of yourself. Now, Describing Hinduism and Buddhism, because one came from the other, okay, Hinduism first, Buddhism second. Now, they they have a common link, and one of the common links is the poppy seed, okay? And the poppy seed, I I, I give you an example, I watched an episode on Buddhism, and there were like nine monks, okay, who went into a mud hut, uh, I think it was for seven days, and in seven days, they stoked a fire in this hut, okay, or it could have been seven hours, I don't remember how long, but what was smoking was the poppy seed, and through the poppy seed, they transcend um, body, soul, and mind, and they see visions. Okay? <laughs> and, uh, you know, is that due to the drug? Well, you know, it's almost sacramental for Buddhists. Okay? Um, many times when the Hindus and the Buddhists came over to California, and they helped build the railroads in America, opium was an epidemic. Uh, Opioids today would be an epidemic we have, but opium years ago, no different than uh, cocaine at one time. You know, I think if you know, Coca-Cola had cocaine in it at one time. It's part of that addiction. So... We can understand, wow, you know, have a 
spiritual experience. Well, what helps that is uh, to reach nirvana, okay, is the poppy seed. They have um, uh, a Zen, and what is Zen? Zen would be a book about preaching and about teachings and discipline and meditation. Now, Hinduism, they have a book also called the Vedic, and uh, the Vedic is kind of like their, their writings. So they have a lot of in common. You know, they have... Uh, Buddhism doesn't have this one God. You know, it, it's God in self, you, you know. Uh, but Hinduism, they have a creator God. But Samsara, it's what you do to improve your caste. Buddhism, it's what you do to get beyond yourself. Okay, and whether there is a heaven or you're reincarnated, that's up to whatever you think. Life after death, Life after death. yeah. Now, in Hinduism, it's reincarnation. Buddhism, it's reincarnation, or it is that blissful state of no death peace, if that makes any sense. You're just kind of deathless peace, nirvana. You know, everything is, you know, pure energy. You get beyond yourself. And Now, I've studied these two religions <laughs> for many years, and it's amazing how you read a documentary or you read something in National Geographic, and it changes And the last documentary I saw was in Hinduism. And uh, they went to like eight different temples and there were eight different gods. And then they went to some homes and there were so many different gods in everybody's home. And basically the God you pray to is the one that you come up with. And they make a little statue. Okay? But a lot of it is based upon what you do. And what you think and how you just, you know, follow the golden rule and improve your karma and be a good person. And there are steps. Okay? Let's take a look at the next one. Islam. That's probably the most interesting one because of the fact of, you know, Ever since the Twin Towers were knocked down, everybody wanted to know about Islam. Islam basically has five pillars, okay? Now, like I said, I'm not an expert on these religions. I'm just kind of going to give you an overview. Uh, Islam is the religion a Muslim adheres and submits to Islam. Okay? So you're a Muslim if you adhere to Islam. Now, the very first pillar is Allah. Okay? Is one, there's one God, Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. They have uh, a Bible called the Quran. It's really one of the newest religions or late earliest religions. It really didn't come about till about, uh, I think it's 570 A.D. So 570 some years after Jesus, 
you got Islam. Okay, I'm going to check that date real quick. Yep, 570 A.D. And a Muslim would consider Muhammad the last great prophet after Jesus. Jesus is, you know, not the big guy. Muhammad is. So God is one. Muhammad is his prophet. Everybody else, you know, really doesn't count. But do they believe in Abraham? Yeah. Ishmael? We believe, we'd say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They would say Abraham and Ishmael. Okay? So Abraham had a handmaid and um, had a child through a handmaid. His name was Ishmael. And so where the Jewish nation would split from the Muslims is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You would have Abraham, Ishmael. And that's where the Muslim or the Islamic religion comes from if you look back. Okay? They do, I've heard many um, Muslim couples uh, come and speak at my church. And uh, they basically just talked about the five major pillars. Number one is a creed. Allah, God is one, Allah. Allah is the only true God, and Muhammad is his prophet. The next creed is uh, prayers, or the next pillar is maybe you've seen... Uh, Men lined up in a, uh, in a temple or they're praying. They have their mat and they, you know, five times a day. A friend of mine uh, is a Muslim. And one time I went to his office and he says, excuse me. He got up, went to the next room at the right time. And I heard him praying out loud, came back after about five minutes, sat down. And we conducted business. He made no qualms about it. He just said, excuse me for him. He didn't. He just said, excuse me, got up, and it was gone for five minutes. But he was praying. So a good Muslim man prays five times a day. Okay? Now, as far as I know, and things could have changed, but uh, women do not pray five times a day. Okay? They're not allowed to. And in fact, I, I don't think they're even allowed in the temples. Okay. A third pillar of uh, Islam is almsgiving. Okay, like in America, we would talk about the separation of church and state. In uh, Islam, they would talk about the church is the state. And the church should rule the state. Now, that's not the way it is in all Muslim countries. Okay, an example might be, I think, Saudi Arabia doesn't follow that. And we are allies in America. But other countries, the cleric or the leader of Islam is a leader within the country politically also. But they don't separate um, the two. So, the creed, Allah is one. Muhammad is his prophet. You've got to pray five times a day. You have to give alms. Now, here in America, uh, we have taxes, okay, and then tithing, giving to the church. You put the two together uh, in 
in some uh, Muslim countries, you tithe to the church, and that's your taxes also. Okay? Uh, and then uh, number five, uh, four is fasting. You, fasting is a big thing in Islam. They've got a month of fasting called Ramadan, where they, you know, from 6 in the morning to 6 at night, you don't drink, you don't eat. But from 6 at night to 6 in the morning, you can eat and drink whatever you want. You just fast 12 hours a day, okay, from sunrise to sunset. And number five, the fifth pillar is a pilgrimage. You need to make it to Mecca someday in your life, okay? They have a teaching where, you know, uh, you need to force, not, you need to conquer the world. Islam has a teaching where they want to conquer the world for Muhammad for Allah, and, you know, if they don't submit to Islam, they're going to force it. Now, is that something going to hear publicly? Is it something that you'll see on television? No. But in their writings, their, one of their goals is to, you know, take over the world, for Islam to conquer the world. Now, in Christianity, we would like to say we want everybody to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. In, in Islam, it would be you either submit to Allah and Muhammad as prophet or, <clears throat> okay, it's that kind of idea. There is uh, what I'm going to call the sixth pillar, and that's a jihad, and that would be a holy war. That's where all Muslims come together and support other Muslims whether you are a conservative Muslim or a liberal Muslim. Muslim. But uh, the idea, it, it, maybe you've heard of jihad. Uh, in fact, Saddam Hussein, remember we went after him, our country, he called a jihad. And a jihad would be all Muslims come and protect me. And that then happened. <laughs> and uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, uh, is a pillar. Uh, j- jihad is pretty important um, in the religion, but today it wouldn't be, you know, we talk about the five pillars, that would be number six that nobody really talks about anymore. Now, Muhammad is the founder, okay? And he basically received from an angel of Allah a book or teachings, and he wrote them down called the Quran. And then as he lived, he added to that. And so once Muhammad died, the Quran was closed, and you have what is called the Quran. Now, Muhammad had 13 wives, okay? And his last wife, he married at six years old. Yeah. In Islam, women aren't that important. Okay? Legally, you can have four wives in Islam. Okay? Uh, Muhammad had 13. And his last wife, his favorite, he married at six years old, consummated his marriage at when she was nine years old. Now, I'm not telling you this so you can bash a Muslim friend, I'm just telling you, you see, there's a big difference. 
in religions. Okay? And so four wives is, you know, the limit now. But Muhammad, he was allowed 13. Okay. Any questions about Islam? I am not the expert. I'm just sharing you the basic teachings about Islam. Okay? Yes? <laughs> yeah, that's the loaded question. If you ask, you know, whether you're Sunni or Shiite uh, or Shiite, you know, uh, there are eighty percent are just let's get along, and then there's twenty percent that are by the book, um, and. That question is loaded because do they practice violence? Yes. Is there history of violence? Yes. But that argument could also be used for Christianity. Is there violence in Christianity? Yes. The children of Israel coming into the promised land was pretty violent all the way up to the holy wars where Christianity or Christians fought against Muslims. Okay, so it's a loaded question. I would say for anybody who's Muslim, Islam would say to a Muslim, at all costs, whatever it costs, the world must be conquered for Islam, including violence. And they would all agree with that. In Christianity, we would say, yes, violence is part of our past, but it is by grace through faith. We let everybody have a choice. We force nothing on you. If you don't want to believe in Christianity, fine. So there is that difference. Judaism, Judaism, okay, is really the oldest religion. Okay, in our world. But of course, Christianity comes from Judaism, Judaism. And so we also would say we're as old as the Jews or Judaism. Okay, and I, the name is deceptive in the sense that if I go all the way back to the beginning, creation. 6,000 years ago, okay? You go forward 2,000 years, and you got Abraham. Abraham, would a Jewish person would say, is the founding father, but it goes all the way back to creation. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? Children of Israel make it to the promised land after being, you know, Moses takes them out of slavery, they get into the promised land. They basically say, don't need you, God. The very last group left before they too say, we don't need you, God. And Jerusalem is sacked, is the tribe of Judah, and where you get the name Jews, the Jewish nation. Long story short, this whole history is really children of Israel.
children of God. And so in the Old Testament, I prefer children of Israel. Okay? But a name is applied to them about 400 B.C. I could be wrong with that date is where that, that Jewish or Judaism or Jews is applied. So that when Jesus comes 2018 years ago, you know, you have the Jews, you have the Samaritans, and they're actually children of Israel, but different factions, different, uh, oh, Samaritans, liberal, the Jews, real conservative. Okay, and, uh, and then within Judaism, there is this split of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which would be those who follow just five books of the Old Testament versus those who follow the whole Old Testament. I could spend an hour just on Judaism, but so it goes all the way back to creation. Uh, Jews would have the 39 books we have right now in our Bible. Some would say just the first five because there's so many factions. But here they are. Jesus comes. Christmas 2000, you know, 18 years ago. They're still waiting for the Messiah. Jesus is not it. And so when Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, they crucified him. Okay? They're still waiting. Some Jews are still waiting for a Messiah. And I'll even say this. To be born in Bethlehem. Okay? To save the world. Hung on a tree, you know, as they look for. But Jesus wasn't that. Okay? Then there's Jews who look forward and say, a Messiah will never come. The Messiah is here. The Messiah is the Jewish nation. The Messiah is a group of people. Okay? And as Christians would say, the bride of Christ is the church. The Jewish nation would say, the Savior, the Messiah, is the Jewish nation. The people. Okay? And no Messiah, no Jesus, no Savior is coming. It's already here. Judaism. Okay, Jesus was known as a Jew. Okay, he was a very good Jew. Okay. All right, Confucianism. Okay, uh, very confusing <laughs> to say the least. Um, it's ancestral worship. Uh, an area that you would find this is uh, in China, in Japan, uh, Chinese philosopher. Uh, uh, we would say, uh, uh, oh gosh, Confucius says, maybe you've heard that phrase, but imagine your grandfather, Randy, taught you a certain way because he's taught your dad and then you. My grandfather taught me, my mother, then me. And, and so you have your rules and rights and your direction. I have mine and, you know, we may agree on some things, we may not. You know, it, it gets a little confusing. So it's Chinese philosophy, okay? And uh, I'm, I know I'm going kind of back. I went jumped to Islam, but this would be about, about uh, 500 B.C. 
when the Chinese philosophy really became important. It's just devotion to parents and ancestral worship. Justice and peace are very important. The golden rule is important in almost all of these religions. And basically, I'm going to say all of them. When I say the golden rule, I mean treat others the way you'd want to be treated. Now, there is some reverse of that. Is, uh, uh, and the negative side of that it would be not treat others the way you would want to be treated. Don't treat anybody the way you would not want to be treated. There's a, a reverse to that, a negative Meaning, don't treat anybody the way... So, if you wouldn't want to do anything to anybody else, then you're off the hook. If you don't want them to do it to you, you're off the hook. You don't have to do it for them. It's a, it's a negative way. Meaning, if you don't want anybody to compliment you, because you don't like being complimented, then you don't have to compliment anybody. You know, where the golden rule is you must, you mean if somebody's hungry, you must feed them. Okay? You'd want somebody to feed you if you're hungry. Kind of idea. Okay. Now we're going to go into a little different direction here. Uh, Confucianism, the occult. The occult is going beyond the five senses. Seeing, hearing, tasting, feeling, and smelling. There's two types of the occult. There's uh, ever heard of black magic? Ever heard of white magic? White magic is magic card you see on television. Somebody makes a lion disappear. White magic. Black magic would be a voodoo doll and you, a curse on somebody. So the occult is really Latin for hidden. It's a demonic, supernatural uh, worship. Um, ever heard of a voodoo doll? That would be considered uh, an, uh, a cult. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 8 9. Deuteronomy 8 9. Deuteronomy 8, 9, page 194. Nope, I did that wrong. It's 18. Forgive me. I, I can't read my own writing. 18, page 2005. Okay. When children of Israel leave Egypt, they're headed to the promised land. Before they get into the promised land, God, the, uh, God uh, speaks to, uh, to the children of Israel about the religions. Don't practice these things. Here it is. When you come into the land the Lord your God giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of these nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or daughter as an offering. They literally did that. Okay? Meaning if you want a good harvest, you got to give up one of your children. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interrupts omens 
or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. These things go on today. Okay? That's part of the occult. Okay? Um, Have you ever read your horoscope? Okay? That's part. You know, it's where you look at the stars and it'll tell you what's going to happen to you. Okay? Instead of looking at the stars and saying, what a great God, you know, they they tried to uh, tell the future. G, cults. A cult is, I'm going to make this quick, someone who says they're Christians, but they're not. An example would be uh, Jehovah Witness. Christians call them a cult. Okay? The Mormons. Christians would say they're a cult. Uh, Christian scientists, Unitarians, would say they're a cult. They say, we are Christians, but they're not. They have all the avenues. They, they follow the Bible. They talk about Jesus, but they're not Christians because they call, they, in all of these uh, cults, they believe God is one, not triune. And I'll explain that in a minute. So a cult is one that they, we're, we want to be Christians. If a Mormon comes to your church, if a Jo I mean, a Mormon comes to your house, a Jehovah Witness comes to your house, a Unitarian comes to your ha- house, they'll all say, or a Christian scientist, we're Christians just like you. And they're not. Because Christians say, no, we have common denominators, and you are not part of that common denominator. A sect. A sect is an organization. They have temples. They have rites. They have rituals. They have Bibles. They have Sunday schools. They have VBSs. They have aprons. They have crowns. They have secret rites. But they stand up and say, we're not Christians. We're not a religion. Okay? But if you are a Christian, a Muslim, a Buddhist, you're welcome in this sect. Uh, An example would be, ever heard of the Masons? Okay? Okay? Ever heard of a Lions Club? Okay. The guys with the hat, with the tassel, and they sell onions. Shriners. Do wonderful things. Okay. They have weekly meetings. They have prayers. They have everything. But we're not a church. <laughs> okay. That's a sect. A sect is something that says, we're not a religion. We just do a lot of neat things that kind of are like religious people. All right, and then Christianity, okay? Christianity is very unique, okay? Turn to the next page, backside. I'm just going to quickly share with you what sets Christianity apart from all other religions of the world, okay? Number one, okay, Christianity teaches the Holy Trinity. Now, other religions may have a destroyer, a sustainer, and a creator. They may talk about a god, a demigod, or an evil goddess or person. But Christianity is separate and distinct in this teaching. We believe that God is three, but yet one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are equal. Okay? The founding teaching of Christianity from the beginning is God is three but yet one. An example would be the Apostles' Creed. 
we got the Apostles' Creed basically from the Apostles. That's the tradition. And what is the Apostles' Creed? Three articles or three paragraphs. We believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, and we believe in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, the very first night, I, I think everybody was here. I talked about God who created the heavens and the earth, and the heavens and the earth are triune. Everything about our world is triune. Light is triune. Water is triune. Mass is triune. It takes protons, electrons, and neutrons. Created in the image of God, so we would never have to argue, is God triune? Man was created in his image. Part of that is we have body, soul, and mind. We are three, but yet one. What separates us from the animal world, we have a mind, animals have a mind. We have a body, animals have a mind. We have a soul. We, with our soul, we can have a relationship with God. Okay? That separates. No other religion on earth has the Holy Trinity. Three, but yet one. Only Christianity. Okay? And it is Jesus who makes it very clear. Turn with me to John 10, 31. John 10, 31. If you ever want to know why the Jews at the time of Jesus crucified Jesus, okay, here's your answer. John 10, beginning with 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone? Stone me, meaning, okay, I've done all these miracles, and now you want to kill me. For which of these miracles, notice how Jesus sets them up. For which of these miracles, the divine acts, these good things, good, right, and salutary, wonderful things, meaning this blind guy over here, he can see, okay, which one do you want to stone me for? The Jews, 33, the Jews answered him, it is not for a good work. So they acknowledged the good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Okay? Because you, being a man, make yourself God. (laughs) You, being a mere man, proclaiming yourself as God. If you've seen the Father, Jesus said, you've seen me because I and the Father are one. Oh. You see, one of the major teachings of Judaism, okay, is real akin to Islam. And here's the teaching. God is one. Now follow me. God is one. There can't be a Jesus who claims to be God. Okay? It just can't happen. But now, if you go back in the Bible to the beginning, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let us 
make man in our image. God is plural. All through the Bible, Old Testament, God is plural. And when the Bible says God is one, the correct English word would be union. God is a union. Not singular, like first day, second day, third day, fourth day of creation. Singular. No, it is a union. And let me explain it this way. When marriage is described in the Bible, and a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one, that's the Hebrew word, union. It's not first day of creation. That's a separate, distinct, different Hebrew word. Throughout the Bible, God is one. God is a union. So the teaching of the Holy Trinity is found throughout the Old Testament. But some people, no, 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 no. God has to be singular. Jesus came and blew everybody's mind who thought God was singular. And he said, I and the Father are one. And they said, we're going to kill you for that. And they did. <laughs> okay. Turn with me now to Colossians 1.15, to the right. Colossians 1.15. Has anybody here ever had a Jehovah Witness come to their house? I've had to. A lot of times they'll refer to this one. Colossians 1.15. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Meaning, a Jehovah Witness will come to your house and says, Jesus is not God. He's just the image of God. He's the firstborn over creation. So if Jesus was born, that means he had to come after God. And so if he was born, then he can't be God. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God is the Alpha and the Omega. No beginning, no end. And so a Jehovah Witness will come to your house and say, the Bible's clear. Jesus was born. Now, I'm playing a little devil's advocate here, but let's take a look at it again. He is the image of the invisible God. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? You. You. When Jesus looks in the mirror, who does he see? God. You see, we, mankind, were created in the image of God. Notice what is said here. He is the image of God. Meaning Jesus is the image in which we were created. <laughs> okay? And it says he's the firstborn of all creation. That firstborn is a place of authority. Okay? Firstborn gets the inheritance. The firstborn is the person of authority. He's, and, and, and so a Jehovah Witness will not read verse 16. <laughs> okay? You'd have to take him there. Let's look at verse 16. Saying about Jesus, For by him all things were created. So Jesus created the heavens and the earth? Yeah, they'd have to admit that. But God gave him the authority. No. He created the heavens and earth. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him 
and for him. <laughs> okay? So, Jesus is God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. Remember the first class I took you to creation? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Who said that? Jesus. Before he was incarnate, born a virgin. Okay? In the beginning, there was a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At the end of the world, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would be there. They're all the Alpha and the Omega. Okay? Titus 2.13. To the right, Titus 2.13. Paul writes about the second coming of Christ. He writes about the second coming of Christ, page 1272, when he says these words, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The disciples saw Jesus as God Almighty. The Jews crucified him because he claimed to be God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. He's the only way to heaven. Okay? Meaning in Christianity, we talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay? I think Dr. Spomer spoke to you about the Holy Spirit not too long ago. Hebrews 1, 7, and 8. Hebrews 1, 7, and 8. An example would be if a Jehovah Witness comes to your house, okay? What they will not do is speak loud and clearly about what they believe. They'll try to say, oh, we're Christians just like you. Our Bible is just like you. Mormons will do the same thing. Mormons do not believe in the Holy Trinity. Unitarians do not believe in the Holy Trinity. The foundational number one teaching of Christianity is the Holy Trinity. Okay? Meaning, I know this is, I'll give it to you quickly. If a Jehovah Witness comes to your house, okay, their belief is there's one God. Jesus is an angel. The archangel, Michael, who became a man, and once he died... He didn't have to rise. It was a spiritual resurrection. Figment of your imagination. And now Jesus is now the archangel Michael again. But they'll never tell you that. Let me tell you, if, a, if somebody comes to my house and asks me about Christianity, I'm up front. I don't hide anything. I believe in the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is God Almighty. He died for me, and He's now at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And He'll come again to judge the living and the dead. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father are one. And Jesus is God Almighty who became a man for me. A Jehovah Witness will never walk into your house and say, Jesus was the archangel Michael who became a man, and now is the Michael. Uh, uh, he's just an angel again. They'll never tell you that. They hide it because they're ashamed of it, I believe. Okay? Because it separates them from Christianity from that moment. And people won't believe them. You've got to dig into the religion. And after many, many months of studying, they'll teach you that. Anybody here have a family member, Jehovah Witness? You have a buddy. Yeah. He'll never talk about the archangel, Jesus. Never. Mormon? Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, Mormon is a... Yeah, they, they, they don't want to talk about Jesus. Christianity, it's all about Jesus. Jesus as God Almighty, the ultimate sacrifice for me. Oh, no, no. Well, yes, we believe Jesus. I had a Jehovah Witness look me right in the eye and say, we believe Jesus is God. I said, wait a minute. He wasn't an angel, an archangel. Well, but that's how we see it. Small G, God. Not the big G. Small G. You see, God is the big G, angel small G. And I go, no, no. Jesus was not an angel. And here's the verse. Ready? Hebrews 1, 7 and 8. Of all the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers of flame of fire. But of the Son, referring to Jesus, he says, Your throne, O God. Okay, here's the Father saying, Okay, all the angels are just ministering spirits. But of the Son, he says, Notice this, O God is forever and ever. The scepter of, up, of uprighteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with all the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Jesus is not an angel. He's God Almighty. Okay? This is what separates Christianity from all religions of the world and all the different cults. If somebody does not believe in the Trinity, Holy Trinity, the foundational teaching of Christianity, the Apostles' Creed, they're not Christians. They're just not Christians. All right, Christians, something that separates them from all the other religions of the world is the Bible. The Bible begins with Genesis, ends with Revelation, 66 books written over a period of 1,600 years by over 40 men, okay? Over 300 prophecies in the 39 books of the Old Testament, 300 over 300 prophecies about Jesus. Jesus fulfills every one of those prophecies. Ten great feasts in the Old Testament, celebrated throughout the Old Testament. All ten feasts are fulfilled in Jesus. Not only 39 books and all 300 prophecies, but ten feasts that are celebrated religiously, pun intended, are fulfilled in Christ. The Ten Commandments. Jesus fulfills all ten commandments. Okay, And then when Jesus walked on earth, what split history in two? Muslims don't have the whole world split in two, 2018 because Muhammad walked on earth. No. But the Muslims set their calendar to the birth of Jesus. But they acknowledge Jesus. Muslims do acknowledge Jesus and that he did rise from the dead. But he's just a prophet. Just one of many prophets. Regular man. But Muhammad... 570 years after Jesus, he's the big guy. No. Okay? So, the Bible is very unique. The Bible I hold is God's Word from cover to cover. It makes me wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I need to read, to listen and learn from this foundation laid by God. This is most certainly true. No other book even compares to this book. No other so-called Bible of all those other religions 
Is there even any prophecy? No predictions that came true. Hmm. All right, so the Bible. Teachings. Philippians 4.9. Philippians 4.9. Philippians, Colossians. Philippians 4.9. Teachings. Listen to what Paul says. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What are the different teachings in Christianity? So many. (laughs) Some Christian denominations focus on one thing and others the other. And uh, we talked about this briefly, Randy. You know, if you believe you shouldn't dance, smoke, or drink, uh, you have those teachings, all of a sudden you're a Baptist. If you believe you've got to be in an age of accountability to be baptized, well, you got, you know, there's Anabaptists, there's Baptists. There's all these different teachings uh, found in different Christian churches. <sighs> like just in the Lutheran church, I know this is crazy. We have the Wisconsin Synod, the ELCA, and the Missouri Synod. Three different Lutheran churches. And the way we would describe it, I, I as a pastor would say, real conservative, Wisconsin, okay, mediocre in their conservative, meaning here women can't vote, women can't be pra- pastors, here, Missouri Synod, women can vote and they can hold office, but they just can't be pastors. And then there's the real liberal Lutherans called the ELCA, women can vote. Women can be pastors. If you're gay or lesbian, you can vote. You can be a pastor. It doesn't matter. (laughs) No rules and regulations. A lot of that denominations deal with teachings. Where do the teachings come? From right out of the Bible, but people focus on one thing. And then they make a major teaching about it. The Catholics are very big about that. The Catholic Church is a Christian church, but they have a Pope, they have Mother Mary, they have uh, confessions, they have purgatory. And where do they get all these teachings? Okay? Um, Jesus walked on earth. Okay? There were all these different Jewish groups. One was the Pharisees. They had 613 laws. I don't know about you. I have trouble with Ten Commandments. Okay, so three different major groups in the Jews. Laws, teachings. 613 things you had to follow. So what happens is you got all these Christians following the one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They believe in the Holy Trinity. They all practice baptism and the Lord's Supper, but they do it in different ways. Okay, some churches will have grape juice for communion, no wine. Some churches have wine and grape juice. What is that? A teaching within the church that separates them from other Christians and they become a denomination. Let me explain it this way. This will help. I'm going to use this on Sunday so when I repeat myself on Saturday and Sunday, don't go, oh, there he goes again. Okay? I want to take you back to 35 A.D. Okay? 35 A.D. Jesus died, rose, and ascended into heaven. Okay, two years later, there is a group of people for a debate. And one man stands up. Two people are debating. One man stands up and says, well, let me tell you what happened. 
Several years ago, Jesus came to my town. I was born blind. People said Jesus was coming. I yelled out as loud as I could, Lord, have mercy. And I felt the presence of Jesus come to me. And Jesus looked at me and said, Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. And I opened up my eyes, and I could see. That's the way Jesus healed me, by his speaking. The next man stands up, looks at the first man, shakes his head. He says, now let me tell you the truth. I, too, was born blind. Jesus came to my town. I called out, Lord, have mercy, and I felt his presence. And Jesus came to me. And he spit on the ground. Made some mud with saliva and wiped it on my eyes. And then Jesus told me I had to go to the pool of Siloam. I listened to Jesus, and I went to the pool of Siloam. I did it. And there I washed my eyes with fresh water. And as the mud came off my eyes, I opened my eyes, and I could see. Completely different from that man's story. But I stand here to tell you that's the only way Jesus heals. Next man stands up. What? Yeah. Next man stands up and says, I don't know what happened to him, but that, that couldn't have happened. There's no way that could have happened that way. I'm telling you, Jesus just spoke the words and I was healed. Next man stands up and says, there's no way Jesus could have healed that way. The only way Jesus heals is the way he did it with me. Thus, the first two denominations were born, the Muddites and the Anti-Muddites. In the Bible, there's many different baptisms. 3,000 people one day, a household the next, individuals, somebody, an eunuch on the road, meaning... Baptisms were all different. But to say, see what man says, nope, only one way. They limit God. And the others, nope, there's only one way it can happen. And that's what happens in denominations. There's only one way to baptize. There's only one way. No drinking, no smoking, no dancing. <laughs> okay, and before you know, people split up in their denominations. But I think that's part of God's plan. Let me tell you why. If you go back in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, there were 12 tribes. The Reubenites did not do what the Danites did. They separated. But they all followed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Creator. And they all believed in the Messiah to come. They all practiced circumcision and the Passover meal. I believe Jesus comes, splits history in two. I believe there's 12 Christian churches, give or take. We all believe Jesus is Lord and Savior. We believe in the Holy Trinity. We baptize and we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and we have teachings that are a little different. But there's 12 major Christian churches, children of Israel in the New Testament. 
I'll give you a few of them. The Catholics, the Episcopalians, the Eastern Orthodox, the Lutherans, okay, the Methodists, the Episcopalians, the Baptists, okay, the Pentecostals, okay. There's all these, and I think you can split them all up into about 12 churches, and, and all the other denominations fit in one of those, okay. And I think God wants it that way, because God knows his children don't get along all the time, okay. You ever been to a family reunion and somebody fought? Yeah. Guess what? We're just one big family. So you have different denominations. Revelation 2, 1. I'll show you where it's even in the Bible. All right. If you've ever read the book of Revelation, it really begins with all the different denominations within Christendom, you might say. Just, I'm just going to read it. To the church of Ephesus, to the church in Smyrna, to the church in Pergamum, to the uh, next page, to the church in Thyatira, to the church in Philadelphia, to the church in Sardis. If you go through all these different churches, they're all different. And they're making some different mistakes. And God has to send the Holy Spirit who walks around the seven candles uh, or the candles of each church and, you know, has to correct them. So in Christianity, I believe we'll always have different churches, and that's okay. And some churches are wrong in this area. Other churches are wrong that way. Do I think the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, is the only church and we're flawless? No. You put a bunch of sinners together. Is a blaze flawless? No. Is Dr. Spomer flawless? Yeah, he's close. Because <laughs> he's a little closer to heaven, you see. Okay. So I'm sharing this information as a fast class. Please, I don't share it with you so you go beat up on somebody who you may know that's in a different religion. This is just for your information. Okay. We're Christians. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for an opportunity to teach. May you be glorified, and may everybody in this room say, you know, I'm going to learn a little more. I'm going to study a little more. I'm going to Google it and just be a little more knowledgeable. And may we never forget how wonderful our God is. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.